Welcome to the MEFG Global Markets FX Week Ahead podcast with Derek Halpany, Head of Research Global Markets EMEA and International Securities. It's Friday 11th August 2023 and join in Derek to pose some questions on the financial market themes for the week ahead is Sean Hussein, Vice President FIFX South. The following podcast is intended for professional investors and eligible counterparties only and not for retail clients. Any content should not be regarded as an offer to conduct investment business or an investment recommendation, but for information purposes only. Hello, Derek. How are you? Hi, Sean. All good. All good. Thanks. Uh, welcome, uh, welcome today and welcome to our listeners. Uh, it very much feels like summer markets. Um, I guess we should start uh, our discussion with a question in regard to the key event that took place this week the release of the US CPI data. Yeah. Um, the way in which the markets have reacted suggests concerns over inflation have continued. Uh, yields and the dollar are higher despite the CPI coming in as expected. Um, why do you think did the markets respond in this way? And what does the response tell us about going forward? Yeah, I think certainly, you know, on the face of it, the CPI data came in as expected in terms of the, the overall readings. Um, but Shan, yeah, you're you're right. You know, uh, the for me, looking at the details of the report, uh, I think there was certainly some justification for yields to soften, for the dollar to perhaps weaken, as it just kind of reinforces the the idea that the Fed are done. Um, there was a knee jerk reaction that way, but it it reversed uh, very very quickly. Um, and, and yields were were up, and then of course they're they're higher again today. And today, obviously, the the PPI has come in stronger than expected. So that suggests that the the disinflationary process at the factory gate has possibly come to an end. So that's kind of helped to lift yields today. But going back to yesterday, um, yeah, like looking at the details, I guess one looking at the super core inflation rate, so the core services excluding housing um, on an annual basis that picked up from 4% to 4.15. So uh, I think that was cited by by some as, you know, a, a degree of bad news. But, you know, I, I completely disagree with that. You've got to be looking at the month-on-month rates to to indicate the, the run rate over the, the, the near term, which is, of course, most important in terms of determining whether or not we're seeing a sustained decline and and we are because the the, the month on month super core was up 0.19 percent month on month and and that compares to last month when it was unchanged so really in essence the the inflation data i think was hugely compelling outside of rents um to suggest that we still have a pretty a pretty robust disinflationary process in place. Like in particular, if you look, say, for example, at, at core CPI, total core CPI, excluding shelter on a three-month annualized basis, that was 1.3%. So, you know, it's 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 pretty clear to me. But yeah, uh, come back to your question, Sean. Uh, I, I think that the super core was, was one story perhaps uh, I think also the hawkishness of of Fed comments. Um, San Francisco Fed President Daly said she thought more hikes were needed. Um, we also had Governor Bowman earlier in the week 
basically signaling that she thought also that more hikes were needed. So it's clear that, you know, there's still a division within the FOMC. And in that context, actually, next week's FOMC minutes uh, will be important. But uh, I think, secondly, then, the, 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 the Fed hawkish comments, I think, helped to support yields. Then also this week, we've had US Treasury bond auctions. So we had a three-year on Tuesday, 10-year on Wednesday, and a 30-year last night. And the 30-year the of the three auctions, the 30-year was the one that came in a bit disappointing. Um, the, the, the final yield was higher than the anticipated uh, announced yield. So that, I think, also put a little bit of upper pressure on the long end of the curve. Uh, and then also, um, after the CPI data last night, we had the, the budget uh, deficit figures, which were pretty grim. Um, with the, 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 the total now over the 10 months of the current fiscal year, the deficit is at $1.6 trillion. That's up from $760 billion over the same period last fiscal year. So a huge, huge difference. And um, interestingly, within that data, that the, the revenue figure was down 10%. Um, and that certainly suggests that the, the jobs, NFP jobs data might not be um, or might be showing uh, an, uh, a market that isn't as strong as, as certainly the tax revenue data would, would suggest. So the, the the budget deficit then figure as well, I think might have you know put a little bit of upper pressure on longer term rates. Um, so all in, uh, I guess finally, the, the final point I'd make is that there's about 120 basis points of rate cuts for next year priced into the market. And I think we've come to the point where the, the disinflation data that we're getting is not enough for the markets to extend that extent of rate cuts for next year. And for that really to be extended and therefore to put further downward pressure on yields, uh, I think you've got to see the economic data coming in weaker than what we've had over the last number of weeks. And without that, um, it might be difficult for 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 more pricing for for easing next next year, and that I think is helping perhaps to support yields. Even though, in my opinion, the inflation data yesterday was uh, was um, was certainly still compellingly showing uh, the disinflation process that's in place in the US. Thanks, Derek. Quite fascinating. So all eyes on the data as it comes out of the US. Um, Looking ahead to next week, uh, what will be the focus for the markets? Yeah, I, I mentioned briefly there the FOMC minutes. So there's there's very little in terms of Fed speakers. Like we're in August, I think you know there's uh, vacation time for a lot of people, including central bankers, I guess. So uh, not much um, in terms of Fed speak. But we've got the minutes from the RBA, uh, and then we've got the minutes from the FOMC. So yeah, obviously given the the this division that I spoke about within the FOMC in terms of further rate increases, we may get some more colour on that from, from the FOMC minutes. Um, and, you know, I guess that could be important for the dollar. I think just based on current dynamics in the markets, if we assume there's no increased volatility, because vols have been coming lower, it, to me, it points to yield becoming more important over the quiet period that may lie ahead over the next couple of weeks. Uh, and that's why I, I probably favour the dollar in that context, because if yields aren't going to come down on the back of weak inflation data like we had yesterday, then we're probably going to see yields stay higher where they are. And if vols are lower, carry becomes more important. And I think that can push the dollar stronger over the next couple of weeks, given the fact that we don't really have a lot 
in terms of event risk that um, could emerge. In terms of data next week, I think it's all eyes on, on the UK. That's where we're going to have a lot of the data, the, the key data. So we've got the jobs data. Uh, we've then got the inflation figures. We've got retail sales. Um, so it's it's a big week for, for the UK. Obviously, in particular, the CPI print would be important. Um, we do have this off-gen price cap reduction that kicked in in July. So we'll get that confirmed in the data. And that's going to result, according to the market consensus, um, in a in a 0.5% drop month on month in inflation. And that's going to result in a, a pretty notable drop in the annual CPI rate from uh, 7.9% to the expected rate of 6.8%. So fairly decent drop, but of course, off-gem is, is a lot to do with that. So really, the core rate, uh, the services print, that will all be important. And on that, it's we may get a modest decline in the in the uh, annual core rate of 0.1 of a percentage point. Um, and then the services inflation rate will probably still be above 7%. So it'll be good news because, you know, you've got to start summer with inflation coming down. So in that sense, it'll be good news. But probably the wage data in the employment figures will be will be important. And um, it looks like we're still going to have pretty elevated uh, three-month annual growth rates in wages. Now, that's partly because the March data, one-month data was was weak. Um, and that's dropping out of the three-month calculation. So I'll be looking at the one-month figure to see if the trend is beginning to weaken. It won't be as weak as March, and therefore the three-month rate will remain high, but it could be an indication of where we're going going forward from here. But if, if that disappoints in any way, even with an inflation drop coming in the CPI print, uh, it would... It, it, it leans us more likely that we're going to get another rate hike. We've obviously had good GDP data today. Um, June month-on-month -month figure up 0.5%, mainly because of a surge in manufacturing activity, uh, which is, I think, day count basis because of the, the change from May when we had the extra bank holiday. Um, so it's it's good news in terms of the GDP figures were definitely better. Certainly the quarterly data was was good across most of the sectors within GDP. Um, but, you know, the UK still lags behind the rest of G7. We still have GDP below the pre-COVID level. That's the only G7 country to have that. So while the data today was good, uh, it doesn't really change much in terms of whether the Bank of England will hike in September. That's really going to be down to the type of data that we get next week. And net-net, we would still lean towards another hike from the Bank of England in September. Understood. Um, finally, what about your trade ideas? I believe last week you closed out some trades. Um, have you instigated any new trade ideas? Yeah, we, we, we did. We were flat after cutting out some previous um, uh, trades. So, yes, I just based on, I guess, what we've been talking about, Sean, all else equal, in an environment of relatively low volatility, carry and yield is important. And given what's happened this week, we have a bias towards the US dollar over the short term. Um, and in that sense, when we look across the currency pairs, I was tempted to buy dollar-yen, but dollar-yen is at close to that 145 level. Next week, we could get rhetoric from the MOF saying they don't want further yen weakness, and that kind of uh, muddies that that view to a degree. So euro-dollar rejected 110 again 
above 110 again yesterday. Uh, and now with the PPI print um, stronger, uh, euro, euro dollar is dropping again. So we, we've put in a, a short euro dollar trade uh, idea for, I do stress the short term because regular listeners will know that we have a leaning more towards dollar weakness through the rest of this year. But I just think over the next couple of weeks during the summer, August period, if we don't get a risk event, then carry is important and the dollar should perform reasonably well. On, on risk, we'd be watching China, um, obviously. But even if the China was a source of risk aversion that created volatility, I don't think that's a euro-dollar buy situation either. So um, in that sense, we, we're, we're short euro-dollar. Thank you, Derek. And thank you to our listeners. Um, good luck for next week. Thanks, Sean. Thank you for listening to this MUFG Global Markets podcast. Rate, review and subscribe and contact your MEFG sales rep for more information. Come back next week for more insights from the Global Markets Research Team.